Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Cats at night. Now here's John Katsimatidis. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And have we got stories for you. Uh, We got a great show uh, in the studio with us. We got Jane Nelson Happy, former uh, dean of the law school of what? Regis University. University. And a middle uh, middle west guy from Lawrence, Kansas. Didn't Lawrence, Kansas get destroyed by a nuclear bomb? It did. It, it was a- <laughs> only in the movies. Uh, Ed Cox, uh, ten years GOP chair. Thank you for being here. Glad to be here. And uh, Congressman Peter King, uh, where King's Highway was named after. And thank you for being here. <laughs> Great to be here, John. And uh, we, we also Lydia Serrani and uh, Lydia. Um, what happened today? There's a lot going on, but first, you have an amazing show tonight. We are going to be speaking with Vice President Mike Pence momentarily, Charlie Gasparino, Councilman Robert Holden, talk about congestion pricing there, Dick Morris, he's a great political strategist, but first on the line, we'll be speaking with Andrew McCarthy, he's a columnist for the National Review. He also served as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, and Trump, there was a major hearing today, Andrew McCarthy so can you tell us what the judge decided right? The big news is there's no damn decision. Go ahead, uh, Andrew. You stole my thunder, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is the big news. Um, and, you know, I I kind of feel like um, if you're a baseball fan, this is like, you know, they're asking to bring the relief pitcher in in the 11th inning. You know, the, the – Justice Department's already gone through their process. So this is one of those things where a special master in a criminal case, and the idea behind a special master is the person who's undergone a search in this instance says that there's a lot of privileged material. So the Justice Department usually wants to unilaterally handle that. So what they do is they have what they call a taint team or a filter team that goes through everything that's been seized and picks out the stuff that's privileged or appears to be privileged so that it doesn't taint or get exposed to the prosecutors who are handling the case. And obviously a a, a person who's under investigation would much rather have a neutral arbiter do that than have the government do it unilaterally. So the Trump camp asked for a special master, but the problem is they waited two weeks to ask. And in the meantime, when the government had gotten the warrant, they, they asked the magistrate judge who issued the warrant whether they could implement these procedures where they had the, this filter team go through it first and then uh, see what could be handed over to the prosecuting team. The magistrate judge said yes. So the government went ahead with its process, 
And by the time this now has gotten in front of a different judge, um, Judge Aileen Cannon, uh, they're already through their process, and they've already given whatever they think is not privileged to the prosecution team. And the FBI already has it, and they're using it to run down leads. And in the meantime, the intelligence agencies are looking at it to see if there's been any compromises to national security. So it's like the... You know, the horses are gone and we're lo- uh, locking the barn. And, late. Uh, what, what is the reputation of the, this said Cox, what is the reputation of the filter teams though? Are they completely separate, completely clean, and they do their job and that's all they do? It, it's not all they do, Ed. It, they're kind of ad hoc, uh, teams that are put together. I've, I've been on both ends of this. I've had, um, I've had criminal investigations where, for example, we had to do searches on people who were lawyers, where if you go through, you know, there may be a small quantum of relevant evidence in there. But in the meantime, there's thousands and thousands of privileged communications that don't have anything to do with the case. Um, In my experience, it's worked well, but usually it's worked well because what the courts have done is said, yes, the privilege team can do its work. The taint team can do its work, but they get the defense lawyers involved at an early stage so that you, you kind of isolate everything you say is privileged. They get to look at what's been seized so they know what they think is, is privileged, and you can hash it out with the court separately. So that by the time the prosecutors get it, usually it's been, it's been crystallized for the judge to rule on it. Here, that's not the situation. And so I, I would say in my experience, it's been conducted – Honorably, but that doesn't mean it necessarily will the next time. You know, is there still honor? Is there still honor in Washington? I mean, I used to be able to say something's rotten in Denmark. Now I'm saying it's something rotten in Washington. Well, you know, John, the thing about that is when we were talking about um, FISA a couple of years ago, um, I thought that was a real concern because in FISA, it's all classified and you don't get any due process. An American doesn't get any due process unless the FBI plays by the rules with the court because there's no defense lawyers. There's not going to be necessarily a criminal case. You're not going to get discovery of it. I've always thought we hope in the criminal justice system as opposed to national security, you know, we hope we get honorable people. But what keeps people honest is the fact that, you know, your work is going to get checked. Like, eventually, if there's a charge here, these documents are going to get disclosed. The affidavit's going to get disclosed. There's going to be discovery. If they lied to a court, you're going to find out about it, and they're going to be able to make motions. So we hope we get honorable people, but the system is still pretty good at flushing out misconduct. Well, I was shown, though, in the FISA court with uh, the Carter Page where there was was, uh, uh, falsified evidence. Andy, today or yesterday, you pretty much come out changing your view about whether an indictment is probable or possible. yeah, well, How do you feel uh, on that? Well, yeah, Pete, I think what I tried to qualify, because I'm a lawyer, so by nature I'm a weasel, right? So <laughs> at the at the beginning, what I said was, um, you know, I don't think they want to get into classified information and records retention. I think they just wanted their stuff back. But my qualification was, you know, they had said in a very kind of uh, cryptic way that they had probable cause of obstruction of justice without telling us what the evidence was. And then on Tuesday, they laid out what a lot of their evidence is. And I think it's a much stronger case once you get to see what they have. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they'll bring it, but they have pretty strong evidence of 
some false okay, statements. Okay, Andy, Andy based on that evidence, how cut you think it would be to get a verdict of guilty, or is it too much of a risk? You know, to bring those charges against the president of the United well, States. Well, if he's charged in D.C., regardless, they could say he was Spider-Man and they'll find him guilty. Ask an enemy based I on think, his experience. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think they could. Could they get a conviction, especially in, in D.C.? Sure. I think you're probably more um, the person to ask this question to than I am, because my sense is for the Democrats, they like having Trump be front and center, and it may be better for them not to indict him. They might, you know, what they like, I think, is having this hanging over his head and the idea that, you know, um, we're talking about Trump instead of talking about the Biden administration. Uh, Biden's polls are suddenly up. The midterms don't look as bad for the Democrats as they did a few weeks ago. Now, all this could change. Um, but I just think if they indict him and they take him off the field, I've always thought what they really want is to run against him. They think he can win the nomination, but they'll beat him in the in the general election. Um, and, and, and that's my you know sort of amateur political view of it. As far as a legal matter is concerned, it's kind of a straight up false statements case. I think they could you know they could bring it and win it, but there's also a lot of downside to prosecuting a former president, not least that. It shows the two-tier justice system we have because what they'd be talking about prosecuting him for is what they let Hillary Clinton get away with. Ed Cox, you read the the uh, response by the DOJ, fifty plus pages. What do you think? W- w- under what statute would they indict him? I don't quite understand the Espionage Act. They toss that in just to make it sort of sexy, but I don't see that. That is ridiculous to do a former president under that. You can indict the, a ham sandwich. I, well, I we always that. say, <coughs> but are they going to? Do something stupid like that, indict a president of the United States? Well, be for sure. Justice. For sure. But for some documents. Third, third yeah. world country. Well, well, I, it's it's what, silly. But the, you do need a statute that's relevant. What's, what, I thought here well, that I the think, Presidential Records Act was controlling, and that doesn't have any criminal uh, part to it. Yeah, Ed, there's two things about that. One is the, the obstruction statutes are pretty straightforward. What they would say is that he obstructed oh, the sure. proceeding. He provided false statements. The uh, One of them is a is a sworn certification that was to be given to the Sure, sure. But, but that, he didn't give it. And and uh, you need an underlying crime if well, you're going to... But what about Hillary? What she did, she wiped away servers. They were cracking open cell phones. They burned records. I mean, this yeah, is... Well, I th- that's yeah, that's why, a political I argument. Their best argument. Their best argument is to say that the Hillary case is the is the barometer here and that even if they have a prosecutable case just like they had a prosecutable case against her the better part of valor is to not bring it my, my question um, is still is where is the crime here obstruction well, needs you, an underlying if crime a, if you cause a false statement to be made to a grand jury which there's pretty strong evidence of in what they laid out now obviously we haven't heard the other side of it, but, you know, they've laid out a pretty strong case. That the That's president, that the thing, former yeah. president made a false statement? Yes. What, but, are you kidding? Did he go before did a grand jury? Uh, look, they asked him, do you have any classified documents? He said, yes, I do. Here are 38 of them, but I've had a, I've caused a diligent search to be done, and there's no more here. And then they find out there's evidence that, that there's more there. They get a warrant and they find a hundred more. But he so said that he declassified them. Sure, that's a legal argument. I don't, I don't think he you can do it. Say, I don't he didn't 
say he declassified that. Part of their argument is we gave him a subpoena saying, give us the classified documents. He didn't come back and say, I don't have any because I've declassified them already. He came back and said, here's 38 of them, and I've looked around. I don't have anything more. And, and there is a process to go through to declassify a document, too. I'm sure previous presidents have done Whether a president has to comply with it is a different Right, yeah. His his right uh, with respect to that may come directly from Article 2 as opposed to any statute as commander-in-chief. And Andy McCarthy, real quick, because we momentarily momentarily will get the Vice President Pence on the line. Uh, Biden, did he waive privilege? I thought he waived Trump's privilege. Is he able to do that? Can a, a current president waive the privilege of his predecessor? Yes, he's trying to pretend that he didn't do it, but he did do it. He, what he basically said was he delegated it to the National Archivist, but there's only one person in the United States government that has the power to assert executive privilege or uh, object to a former president's assertion of privilege, and that's the current president. Under and the president and that, that document that the, the Department of Justice just produced weasels around that, doesn't say that. Yes. In it. But he then how can Biden that. say he didn't know? Of course he knew. He had to know because under the Presidential Records Act, they had to ask him right. to have the archivist show the records. So, so the a president's exempt from lying? Well, apparently if Trump lies, he can go to jail. A Biden can lie. and So if he's in Biden, could, could, could up. Trump no call to the stand? No one's gone to jail yet. No could, one's gone to jail yet. Could Trump, <laughs> could Trump call to the stand the attorney general? And, and his lawyers ask the attorney general, did you have any conversations with anyone from the White House or representing the White House about this? Well, he could if it's relevant evidence. I well, think, that's, I, I think that's very relevant where the orders came from, and I think that would uh, – uh, they well, might want I, to avoid an indictment had, if that could a, result. And, and is this going to have a lot – if it did happen, the, have a myriad of a uh, pretrial mission, a trial uh, motions? Yeah, I guess, you know, there'll be all kinds of legal motions uh, if they if – I mean, more so in this one than any other criminal case I can imagine. There's so many different – Constitutional oh issues involved. In. Yeah. Yep. No, I think that's exactly. Yeah, I mean, we've never, we're in totally uncharted territory. No one knows what would happen. Makes no sense wandering into it for this kind of a thing where there is no real crime. Well, thank you so much, Andrew McCarthy. And uh, let's let's pray for our country and let's make sure uh, we straighten out our country so we don't have to go through this again. And God bless you. And thank you for everything you do. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's take an early break, and then uh, we believe we have the vice president, former vice president of the United States coming on in the next few minutes, and uh, let's see what he has to say. If you only have a 401K, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. With us today is the former Vice President of the United States of America and uh, 
a uh, good friend and uh, one smart guy. And uh, Congressman King, you wanted to say hello to him? And Mr. Vice President, I just want to say hello to you and say for the record, I never met a more honorable guy at all in uh, in Washington. You stood out from all the rest of us, put it that way. Ed Cox? Uh, Mr. Vice President, you were a great vice president, especially under the circumstances. And Mr. Vice President, what are you doing in New York? <laughs> Well, John, first, thanks for having me on WABC. And, and uh, you've got in the studio uh, now three men I greatly admire, <laughs> including you. I just I want to thank you for the honor of being with you today. And I'm, I'm looking forward to being in the Hamptons with the Manhattan GOP. We, it's, a, it's a year when it's all hands on deck. I've been traveling all over the country doing my part to support the Republican cause. And, John, I'm really looking forward to being with the Manhattan GOP tomorrow. And uh, uh, But I, I just think... You know, we are we are now September 1st. We are rapidly approaching Labor Day. We are on the cusp of a great, great Republican victory, and I'm going to do everything I can to help support the men and women that are standing for the House, the Senate, for governorships like Lee Zeldin in New York and people at every level. We're going to deliver a great Republican victory for all the American people. Uh, Mr. Vice President, can you give us your personal report on some of the senators running? Because it looks like... The Republicans, the Congress is going to go Republican. And the Senate, people are saying, well, it's 50-50. What say you? Well, I say I, I hope the Democrats believe that. <laughs> they just, I know they, you know, when Democrats start spending money in Washington, D.C., they get a little more confident, I think, John, as you and I know well. You know, the, Joe Biden just signed that more runaway spending, $750 billion with his so-called Inflation Reduction Act, they feel a little flush with that, flush with an extraordinary pro-life victory. And in the Dobbs case in the Supreme Court, that's given America a new beginning for life. But I have to tell you, everywhere I go, uh, I think the American people are fed up. Uh, Inflation's at a 40-year high. Gasoline prices are still through the roof. We have the worst crisis on our southern border in history. We have crime on the streets. New York and all of our great cities across the country. I think, I think the American people look at where we are today uh, and contrast that with the years of the Trump-Pence administration, where we saw 7 million good-paying jobs created, wages rising at their fastest pace in 10 years. With the support of great people like Pete King and the Congress, we, we stood with our allies, stood up to our enemies, we secured our border. The American people want to get back to that, and I think – and I think uh, – Whatever the optimism is among the Democrats, what you hear in the media, uh, I think it's I think the American people are ready for a change and they're ready to get back to what we know works, which are sound, conservative Republican principles put into practice. Well, we, we, need, we need more common sense in Washington. We definitely need more common sense in Washington. Ed Cox, so, so, Mr. Vice President, you would feel on the foreign policy oh, yeah. side that the uh, – uh, that Mr. Biden is continuing his unbroken record, as the former Secretary of Defense said, of being wrong on every major foreign policy issue of right. the last 40 years. Right. Well, he just simply has. I, You know, I, the good book says to mourn with those who mourn and grieve with those who grieve. We just passed the anniversary of that disastrous withdrawal uh, from Afghanistan that, that took the lives of 13 servicemen and women and dishonored dishonored the memory and sacrifice of 20 years uh, of our military that fought to defend our freedom in Afghanistan. But, I mean, the very idea that, that this administration is still at the table 
uh, with Iran, trying to restart the Iran nuclear deal, the very idea uh, that they have uh, they capitulated to Russia on the Nord Stream 2 the pipeline. I, I think they've, they've created the conditions, uh, Ed, that have really emboldened our enemies around the world. No surprise. Look, Vladimir Putin is responsible for the for the uh, unconscionable, unprovoked war uh, that he's waging in Ukraine. Uh, China is responsible for their provocations in Taiwan Straits and the South China Sea. But let me let me tell you what Pete King could tell you uh, with his vast experience in the intelligence world. There's no question that weakness arouses evil and the missteps by the Biden administration on the world stage. Uh, have emboldened uh, our adversaries around the world, and we've got to get back to peace through strength. Mike, what do you expect uh, President Biden to say in his speech tonight? Uh, can he fool the American people that somehow it, it's the Democrats who are pro-cop, and what impact do you think it's going to have on the elections? And thanks for the kind well, words. Uh, yeah, well, you know, look, you're one of the preeminent leaders in, on intelligence and uh, national security in the country, Pete. You know how much I respect oh, you. Thank you. Look, I, I think whatever he says tonight is just going to be an attempt to change the subject. I, you know, I know he's he's going to give a big speech talking about democracy and and returning to his uh, his his uh, you know his campaign theme of a battle for the soul of America. But I got to tell you, I'm talking to you from my front porch here in Indiana. Uh, that's just not what the American people are talking about. I mean, I. You know, I don't have the entourage I had for the last four years, so I talk to a lot of people in airports. I talk to people at grocery stores, at gas stations. The American people are hurting. I mean, we see this crime wave in our cities. We know that the Democratic Party, whatever they're saying these days, has been undermining public confidence and support for law enforcement. I mean, and then they see the runaway spending uh, uh, and, and recently a bill that actually raised taxes in the midst of a recession, and, and they just know that this inflation at a 40-year high, the war on energy that's driven up gasoline prices, I mean, the question I get everywhere I go, Pete, is can we get it turned around? Can, can we get it back? And I, I look at all of them with boundless confidence in the American people, and I say, we're going to get it all back. Well, Mr. Vice President. In there, November 22. There, the, the speech that's being given tonight will be carried, I understand, by all the networks. And yet it seems to be a political speech. Uh, there's no new program being announced. There's no big incident, incident that the president has to address. Uh, isn't it unusual under these circumstances for the networks to carry the speech? Well, I mean, you, you could have been a fly on the wall. When I read the news the other day that it was going to be a primetime speech, and what they were previewing, he was going to talk about. I had the exact same reaction. It's hard for me to believe that during during our administration uh, that uh, the major networks would have afforded time for a pre Labor Day speech going into midterm elections, which is clearly going to be focused <laughs> on politics and yeah. political themes. It just it, it was you you know it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Uh, but look, look the the great thing that we've got going for us is their record and our record. And I, I truly do believe that that in order to, to make this not just a winning election, but a realignment election uh, at every level, that to seize the opportunities not just to win the House, to win the Senate, uh, but to elect Lee Zeldin as the governor of New York, to, to elect a Republican governor in Oregon, to, to literally see Republicans in the ascendancy 
around the country is we've also got to to lay out a positive vision based on our proven record to the American people, which is something that we did at my foundation in Washington with the help of a lot of former cabinet members about six months ago. You can go to advancingamericanfreedom.com and read about an eight-page freedom agenda that says, here's the conservative agenda, the conservative vision from Ronald Reagan to Donald Trump, and what the policies were that drove American renewal in the Reagan years, drove the longest peacetime expansion, rebuild our military, and then during the Trump-Pence administration saw all of that happen again. And so it's all in one place. So that's my one challenge to all of our Republicans. I'll say it to the Manhattan GOP tomorrow night is, you know, you can't beat a program without a program. And Mr. Vice President, this yeah, we have a... Accountable and- Mr. Vice President, it's Lydia Serrano. We have uh, two minutes left before we have to go to a hard break. Sir, how do you feel about the president of the United States demonizing half of America, calling MAGA, anybody who wants to make America great again, a semi-fascist? And then the second part of the question is, how do you feel about what's going on regarding President Trump and the raid and all of that? Well, let me say, I, I think President Joe Biden owes the American people an apology. I mean, a study study of the history of fascism in the 20th century uh, wouldn't take you too long to see that uh, no American deserves that label. And and to be be using that kind of rhetoric, to me, suggests desperation by the Biden administration. I think they see the train coming down the tracks in the 22 midterm elections. And I think we'll probably hear tonight some of the same rhetoric, just trying to distract the American people from their failed policies at home and abroad. Now, with regard to uh, President Trump, I I will tell you that from literally the hours after uh, the FBI uh, search warrant was implemented at at Mar-a-Lago, I've been calling for transparency. I mean, the very idea that the the American people deserve the truth. I, look, the American people deserve the truth. This was an unprecedented act. No former president has ever been subject to a search warrant of his personal residence in history. And therefore, this requires unprecedented transparency. And I'm continuing to call on Attorney General Garland to come forward with the rationale, come forward with the facts and the argument, if any, to justify this un unprecedented action. That being said, as I said when I was in New Hampshire not long ago, I think it's also important in this moment as Republicans that we remind the American people that whatever Joe Biden's going to say tonight, we're the party of law and order. We're the party that stands with the men and women on the thin blue line of law enforcement. And and I believe some of those, the calls that we've heard to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. And so what we've got to do is hold the attorney general accountable for the decisions that he made, demand transparency for the American people for this unprecedented action. But for all the challenges that we face, that my friend Pete King knows more about than most Americans ever will, the challenges that we face on our streets, the challenges at home and abroad, uh, we need to stand with the men and women that stand on the thin blue line at the local, state, and federal level, as never before. We all agree 100%. Mr. Vice President, thank you for coming on WABC. And I look forward to meeting you at uh, my daughter's event for the Manhattan GOP tomorrow night.
Thank you, John. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks for being with this great group. God bless you all. Thank Mike, you. stay in touch, Mike. And uh, let's, uh, right now, I believe Lou Dobbs is on. We're going to get a report from him. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we're back, and uh, why? What, what a week! What a roller coaster in the oil markets! What a roller coaster in in the stock market! Uh, with us today is one of the smartest guys I know in finance. We have uh, Charlie Gasparino. Charlie, what the heck is going on? Well, nice little comeback today, but uh, don't be fooled. Uh, I, 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 you know, I've never seen so much collective pessimism from investors that I'm, that I'm hearing now. And, and, you, know, you know, the collective uh, sort of sentiment has been wrong in the past, so just take that for what it's worth. But this Maybe is it's time the, to buy. Okay. <laughs> it might be. It might be. But let's just back up why, why they're so pessimistic. Fed rate hikes, stagflation, massive stagflation in Europe. You still have inflation here. Okay, so we have a degree of stagflation here. You have lower corporate earnings that are coming in. Um, you put all that together, and there's no doubt that we that we basically pump this market up to no end, both from a fiscal policy and a monetary policy, and both are have been leveled off. You know, even though the federal government keeps spending, it's a lot less. You know, it's coming down, even with this ridiculous inflation protection pack package, whatever it's called. Uh, which isn't about inflation, but about buying green cars. So it's going to be another boondoggle. Oh, we got to yeah. talk about that. That yeah. is crazy. What's you, going you, on? But you're, you're getting that on top of the the, um, um, the 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 tightening from from a monetary policy, and you know that's a that's a bad recipe if you want to buy stocks. You know this thing, and if you listen to these the smart guys, like Jeremy Grantham's out there. I mean, he's a famed investor, you know, he's been calling bubbles uh, for years. He calls this a super bubble. I just read his newsletter. I mean, it's pretty scary stuff when you put that together with what's going on with Europe. Um, Don't forget China, Charlie. And China, China too. You're right, because China is kind of like out of it. They, they're the huge driver of, of global economy, and they're kind of out of it now. So, I, you know, if you want to buy stocks on today's Blip, go for it. But man, I'd be real careful. But, but Charlie, eighty-six dollar oil. I don't know if it matters. What's diesel at? Uh, diesel is double coupons. Yeah, that's the problem. And diesel. I just got my electric bill. What is gas? My what? electric bill at home is usually five, six hundred dollars. This month it was a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This stuff is bad, and it's yeah, we're, you know. I, Never before have we had an experiment that we had, okay, where they literally just kept the foot on the gas pedal a lot, you know, in, in insane ways. And, you know, you get the impression that Biden has no clue what's coming at him, potentially. He clearly well. doesn't have a clue when you yeah. put $1.9 trillion into the economy just as it's eating up. That's madness. The guy didn't know who the Easter Bunny was. Democrats are giddy right now because they think they got a couple of victories. You know, Sarah Palin lost a chance to get get back in the into into the House, and uh, (laughs) you know they put they won the the, they got this inflation thing passed. Uh, And an abortion in the 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 nineteenth old nineteenth district here. Donald Trump is like news every day, and it's it's, but but you know here's the thing: if this thing get if the trail if the 
if the train comes off the rails more on the economy, they face an incredible wipeout because this could be really nasty. You've, we've never had an experiment of fiscal and monetary excess that we had over the last three years, particularly the last year when you didn't need it. And the unwind of that, unless you want to settle for, you know, you know, systemic inflation of 6% forever, which is even worse than a recession, the, the unwind of that is usually nasty. You would be pleased to know that the former vice president depends on the show just before you would agree okay. with you completely. He you follow this is going to be a complete you follow follow the vice president. I, you know, I happen to admire the, the former vice president. So if uh, if I'm if I'm mimicking what he said, I didn't listen to him. So what did he say? Hey. Hey, yeah, look, he 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 went through uh, the victories that were coming up uh, in the House and the, in the Senate, and he felt that this was going to be a historic uh, election and a real wipeout for the party in power, and I agree with him. Well, I think it will be because, unfortunately, the economy is going to get crushed and the markets are going to get crushed. Yeah, it's the economy, stupid. It's not all the other things. And it's a, the abortion. They feel they'll rally around it. I mean, because- this, it it's, it's kind of a confederacy of dunces, and think about this. <laughs> We we have we have John talks about the solution every day. You know, drill more oil, like drill for more oil. Um, you know, take the take the handcuffs off the oil industry. You know, peel back this ESG nonsense. Um, essentially, uh, lighten up on regulations. You don't even need a tax. Even Elon Musk said the same thing. He said it would be a crumbling of civilization if we stopped drilling. So, yeah. and by the way, I embrace nuclear you. power. Finally, Bill yeah. Gates talks about it. Yet we have these guys just it's it's like, you know, Biden spends more time, I think, you know, watching TV and, you know, indulging in his, you know, Trump fetish hate than he does trying to address these problems. And and the people that he has run to the government are far left. So they won't drill. They they don't want nuclear power. They literally want to go to a transition to zero carbon tomorrow thinking that electric vehicles is going to do you know electric vehicles run on cobalt and all these minerals that china has which hurt the environment when you when you mine them and on top of that if you're not doing nuclear then you got to burn coal to 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 to, to, uh, to to electrify the grid like what's going on in california I mean, it's it's totally nuts right in california just days after they said they were going to go uh, ban gas-powered vehicles by 2035. They're asking everyone wait, to wait. not... What did they say the next day? Well, that's what the I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah, they said that you can't power up. They don't want you to... They don't want you to... What is it? Uh, charge up. We're in a yeah, blackout. We're in a blackout. You Sorry. can't charge up your vehicle, especially uh, over Labor Day. I have a question maybe John can answer or you can answer, Charlie. So yeah. when the gas prices were even higher than they are now... The Biden administration said, listen, the president doesn't, he, doesn't, he can't uh, control the gas prices, but now that they've gone lower, they're controlling them. And also, the, do you think it's a coincidence that the prices have suddenly gone lower and we've got a very important election just a couple of weeks away? Well, no. What we have now is an economy that's slowing. So some of this is reflective of a potential recession. That's that's what I think the problem is with the with the markets over the last, you know, so the, this so bear market rally. That China's not buying, and they're yeah. a big, well, big let, let me just give you one oil. of the statistics. The economy is slowing down globally. Yeah. You know, that's not a good thing. Uh, they, with the Paris Agreement, they have our handcuffs, our hands handcuffed. 
Right. And uh, the today's statistic, China has 2,363 coal uh, factories, and they're building this year another 1,171. So you're, they're Is that not, a scary number? They're not abiding by it, you're Are saying. Are you kidding? <laughs> we got our hands tied behind our backs, and China is, is doing whatever the heck they want. They're ramping yeah. it up. I mean, this administration, remember what we said? There's something rotten in Washington? Mm-hmm. Well, something rotten in Washington. Well, and, and you know, what's scary about it is that how much corporate America has bought into this this whole notion of green energy. Uh, I mean, the whole ESG... I'm shorting is, General Motors stock, uh, uh, Charles. Are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, why are you shorting General Motors? Because you think, you think the government's going mean, to subsidize EVs? If, if, they are, uh, if they're, they swear that uh, the electric cars are the way to go, I'm shorting General Motors stock. Yeah, I mean, they're not feasible. And they're not feasible for the masses. <laughs> and the masses are, are going to turn their backs on them. Let them, let them spend uh, billions and billions of dollars on reshaping their factories, and they're going to end up dying again. That's a you know that's this is why you're so rich, dude. I know. <laughs> he's always right. He's always right. He is. I guess that's why he's a. So Charlie, you're saying don't over. fight the Fed. Is that right? Well, if the Fed is. If the Fed is committed to two percent, and I told this to John the other day when we we spoke before we, we were on the show before Powell made the Jackson Hole speech, if the Fed is committed to two percent, the, the market doesn't believe it. But if it really is, the market is in a wicked misdirection right now. And right then I said it, and it obviously is true because he came out and said we're going two percent. We're we're getting rid of inflation. We're gonna we're we're committed. Okay. And once he said that, the market. You know, when the market when is decline. the next Fed decision after uh, the end of September? I think he's going to halt it. My just my opinion. I haven't been wrong yet, but I may be wrong. Seventy-five. Less less fifty. It depends. I mean, seventy-five. I agree. Let's make a bet. Mr. Duke, Mr. Duke, I bet you one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, the, the, you know, it may be like immaterial what he does. The, the, the markets and the economy may be just so screwed up because um, he has to reduce his balance sheet. You know, there's no doubt about that. I don't think he's going to do it before November. Mm. How do you put $6 trillion on your balance sheet in two years and not have a very distorted market. Have they said yet how we're paying for the student loan handout? Yeah. And what about Bank of America saying they're going to do zero down mortgages for people that are black or Latino? I mean, well, what? I'm changing. I'm going to become a, a, a Latino. So. What the heck is going on? As John Katz would say, well, you know, I have. You want to hear how so r- ridiculous? I we were talking. I was talking about this. Uh, we were discussing the John Leguizamo going after. Um, He's an uh, actor. An actor, James Franco, for wanting to be uh, – because he's going to play Fidel Castro. Like Zamo said, hey, this is cultural appropriation because – Fidel Castro is Cuban, and you know Leguizamo is is uh, Franco. You mean Fra- Franco is from Portugal. So if you know anything about Cuban culture, I do because I covered some of the stuff in Miami for years when I was at the Wall Street Journal. Uh, most Cubans consider themselves white. They do. 
They, they do. Their they ancestors do. are from Spain. They are. Lo and behold, I looked at Castro's bio. His parents were rich landowners from Spain that moved to Cuba. Wow. <laughs> yep. And that's and I have family in South America, Italian American Italians. Does that make them Latino when they come here and they could get a free loan? I mean, the whole thing is so ridiculous. Or we just move to LA and get that universal basic income for a thousand a month. Charlie Gasparino, thank you so much for coming on, and have a great Labor Day weekend. You too, John. Talk to you soon. Thank you. I understand now uh, we have uh, Councilman Holden on, and he is mad as hell, and he can't take it anymore. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Because his constituents are going to be paying congestion pricing. That's right. We're going to foot the bill, and uh, we always get the middle class always gets the bill, by the way, for these uh, wokester ideas. And this is one of them. Well, you, you saw you know, the list, Councilman Holden, you saw the yeah. list of uh, who the MTA has, has made into the committee. Uh, I couldn't believe that Mr. Banks from Revney is now turning his back on, on the real estate industry and saying, oh, yes, we need congestion pricing. And, yeah, and I, you know, I don't, you know, with, with Kathy Wilde, I love her dearly, but she's saying the same thing. How could anyone advocate for a tax, period? Okay, when we're giving away millions, what is it, billions to the Buffalo Bills Stadium? That's what I don't understand because of the MTA's mismanagement or their budget miscalculation. They're going to punish the middle, everybody. Yes. They're going to punish everybody. Let Mr. Holden, Mr. Holden, you got the floor. The MTA. You but got you know the what? floor. But what? But what's the worst time to do this when we're we're hit with uh, double digit inflation? When right? people won't ride the subways because it's not safe. I was about to say that, Josh. It's like, all right, people, my wife won't take the subway at all costs. She'll do anything not to take the subway. And rightfully so. Again, we're people, we don't feel safe. They're going to punish your wife and charge her another $23 on the uh, <laughs> congestion price. Yeah, but you know, you look at this thing and they come up with ideas. They're going to do this from 6 a.m., one proposal, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. That's like, what? what <laughs> are you kidding? And then. By the way, um, the people that will pay are the people that don't have public transportation right down the street, like my district in Queens, like many other districts, especially like, let's say, areas around the city, the Bronx. And where are the cars going to go if they're not going to go into Manhattan? So they're talking about like a 5% reduction, like, oh, boy, that's we're going to see that right away. Sure. But it will be eventually 10%, they say. But... People are going to go to the areas like the Bronx and, and poor areas to avoid that and then take the subway one one or two stops. Maybe, maybe. But we hear also that each truck coming in will pay about $100 more. So what happens, John? You're a businessman. What happens? They pass along the... Well, you know, if a, if a truck delivering uh, milk to my store is, uh, has to pay uh, $85 for a congestion tax, the milk company is going to pass it right back to, to us, and we're going to pass it right back to the consumer. So you know who pays? The consumer. So the people, right. the middle class and the poor are going to have to pay. And this is a sin and this is just a, a tax of another color. Exactly. And it's again, it's fashionable to the woke hips, hipsters and other limousine liberals in Manhattan and Williamsburg who just want more outdoor seating uh, to have their organic soy, kale, avocado toast. You know, again, it's, this is 
This is insane. And again, you couldn't pick a worse time to do it than right now with inflation the way it is. Councilman so how Hogan's- about driving more uh, people out of the city? Um, you know, again, Governor Hochul should be given the Florida Realtor of the Year Award uh, <laughs> for, you know, for this idea. Councilman Hogan, this is Pete King. I want to first, as somebody who was born and raised in Queens, let me thank you for the great job that you've done as a councilman. And let me, uh, oh, well, thanks. Coming from you, uh, that's a great honor. Thank you. Now, if I could uh, switch the topic slightly, what, what is happening with crime? Like, for instance, yesterday you saw cops doing their job. Someone jumps in, tries to break up the arrest. She gets knocked down, and suddenly the media and Al Sharpton and everyone else are attacking this cop. I and mean, what, what is the feeling among your constituents as far as the men and women in blue? Oh, it's just it, uh, uh, they're so demoralized. And, you know, the, this mayor's trying, but it's just the city council and just the – Everyone feels that it's really more difficult to be a police officer. And who would want to do that? I, you know, I, I pray that we can get qualified officers. But, I mean, it just doesn't make sense now. Uh, they discontinued qualified immunity. I have it as a, as a politician. You know, we have it. We make a mistake. The, the city covers our costs. If a cop makes a mistake, the obviously the perp or the, the so-called victim of the cops, let's say they they make a mistake, they could sue their families now. They could take away their homes. This is how bad it's gotten, and it's... Um, Councilman it's Holden, insane. by the way, I just want to point out that the district attorney dropped the serious charges, the felony charges against that woman that was assaulting the police officer. So the district attorney is also responsible for this emboldening, this mayhem that is happening all throughout the city. This is just one event that we happen to catch on camera, but it's happening all over New York City where cops are trying to arrest somebody. And then there are people interfering. And I fear for these officers lives. And I don't, I don't know what else what else to, to say. I mean, it's, it's just I, frightening. They can't like, let's say a perp is going for, you know, and by the way, when somebody resists arrest, there's always a gun involved. That's the police officer's gun. And in, and just in that case where that woman was hitting the police officer, there was an illegal gun, by the way. That's what they were trying to get from the perp. Yeah, and he, so, and he was an attempted murderer. Yes. And again, that's that's a very serious thing. So everybody's lives at stake here. And so when somebody starts <laughs> punching you or hitting you from the back, the cop had to react. He had to do something to get control of the situation. So this, this but this goes beyond that. Look at the lawlessness in our streets now. Look at what's going on, how crazy things have become, how we've lost control. And we thank Bill de Blasio for that. It's going to take us years to recover out of this, if we ever do. And, you know, I'm skeptical at this point because we really need to turn things around. And, and you know what we need? Really more cops and, again, you know, broken windows. Councilman Hogan, start doing that. I need, you have to be the common sense guy on the council. Go in there and yell, 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 and you want to know something? I hope you have the courage to call our show and tell us who the crazy ones in the council are so we can let the rest of the world know. Oh, I, I, yeah, I'll definitely tell you that. Uh, <laughs> All right, we, yeah, I'm depending on you. Councilman, I'm depending on you. You let us know who to call, because September and October, it's wartime. We have to save New York. There's eight and a half million New Yorkers that are looking to be saved, and there's 3,000 violent criminals. I want to know what city, what council people are on the side of the 3,000 violent criminals, and we're, we're not going to let people forget about that. And Bob did a great way, job. They vote against anything in law enforcement, and they, they actually can defeat bills very easily. 
that, that try to protect the police or try to yeah. protect the public. Okay. I don't understand it. Thank you. We got to go to another, uh, we have Dick Morris is going to tell us what the heck is, what's rotten in, in uh, Washington. Thank you so much, uh, Councilman Holden. And Thanks, Dick uh, Morris, what the heck, hey. what the heck is rotten in Washington? We used to say, what's rotten in Denmark? I'm saying, what's yeah. rotten in Washington? Well, first of all, if you want the councilman to tell you the crazies on the city council, you got to have longer than a five minute interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me say what's going on because I finally figured it out. The Democrats are going to indict Trump and they'll indict him on the uh, picayune basis that he didn't send the archives to the archivist and um, they will not be able to allege any more serious purpose. They won't be able to show that he was compromising national security or that he sent the uh, documents and the info to the Russians, the Chinese. It'll simply be a bookkeeping error that they blow into a crime. And the issue will then be, did Trump intend? Was it volitional or just careless and so on? But the real purpose in doing this is that they want Donald Trump to be the center of attention for the next two years, because the more attention he gets, the less attention Biden gets. And they understand that Biden can't handle the spotlight. And the more people forget that Joe Biden exists, the more they'll stop blaming him for the evil he's done. things like inflation and gas prices and the border. And the more everything will be for or against Trump. Uh, in the last couple of months, uh, people's view of the economy has improved by that 17 points. And it's not that it's improved. It's gotten worse. It's that nobody writes about it anymore because they're too busy focusing on Mar-a-Lago and the documents and the raid and all that stuff. And that's what the Democrats want to happen. So is then it just a mistake point. that that raid happened just before that 90-day blackout period when you're yeah. not supposed to, yeah, the Department of Justice not supposed to raise these things? Yeah, of, course it, of course it was no it was no mistake. But the, the point is that they are baiting us because they want Trump to talk and they want us to defend him and they want him to become the issue so that Biden can disappear. Then what they're going to do is go to the Republicans and say, hey, look, do you want, we're going to indict Trump, we're going to convict him. Uh, I don't think that will disqualify him from being president. I think he'll fight for the nomination. I mean, doesn't that make us a banana republic where, where the current president indicts his uh, future uh, uh, opposition? Yes, it, is, but it is, but let me finish this thought because it's a subtle one. The, uh, the Democrats will then try to foment a primary within the Republican Party. And saying, hey, why do you stay with Trump? Go with DeSantis. Trump like he doesn't have that kind of baggage. Let's and talk DeSantis. some more tomorrow because we're out of time. We're going to take a break. Dick Morris, you, you are one great strategist. Thank you so much. And, and maybe we'll talk again tomorrow and, and talk about your show and, uh, on, uh, noontime on Sunday. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, Nelson Happy, thank you. Ed Cox, thank you. Peter King, Kings Plaza, Kings Highway, thank you. <laughs> and Lydia Serrani, and uh, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. God, God bless the world, too. We need it. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.